listening to the Cattle Station Classroom Podcast, where we learn about the North Australian beef industry and answer your questions. So it doesn't matter how far from town you are, because we're bringing the classroom to you. Welcome to the Cattle Station Classroom Podcast. In today's lesson, we are going to be learning about the WA Pastoral Lands Board. To do this, I'll be joined by Tim Shackleton, who has been the chairperson of the Pastoral Lands Board since 2017. Tim is currently the CEO of Rural Health West and has extensive experience in senior public and private sector roles in rural and remote Western Australia through his long-term involvement in the health and regional development sectors. What is the Pastoral Lands Board? So the Pastoral Lands Board is a government board which was implemented many years ago at the time when the Land Administration Act first came into being. Uh, pastoral industry, as you know, is really old. In fact, it's well over 100 years old, perhaps 140 years old. And since early in that piece, government have required wise and informed advice about the pastoral industry and have also required some pretty effective or effective um, management of the pastoral leases, of which there are about 440 uh, across the state. So the Pastoral Lands Board was formed at the behest of government to administer pastoral leases as well as provide advice to government on the state of the pastoral industry and where the you know the stress points were and the opportunities to improve are. Is this the only kind of board that the government has? Like is this unique to the pastoral industry or is there an equivalent of the PLB in other uh, industries across Australia? Well, there are many, many boards that the government has established in order to get much closer to complex industries and pastoralism is one of those, so hence the PLB. But the government also has other boards related to other sectors, um, uh, many of, of them in fact, and generally like the PLB, they'll have a, a mix of uh, people who are very familiar with the industry, so work in the industry such as uh, the pastoral members on the PLB, but also independent and more diverse uh, input as well. So in, me- membership can be quite diverse to really reflect the complexity of the industry that's being administered or dealt with. So what is the makeup of the PLB? What are the requirements that the government is looking for when filling the board positions? So at the moment, the PLB's membership is dictated by the Land Administration Act and that requires that there be a mix of people with pastoral experience. So we prefer active pastoralists to be on the board. So there are, there are members there. There is a member who has specific interest in Aboriginal pastoralism and there's also a conservation interest member. Uh, in addition to that, the Directors-General of the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development and Department of Planning and Lands and Heritage are also members uh, and in my own case, um, an independent chair. So there will be six or seven members on the board at any one time. So there's a mix of people that have experience and knowledge 
and provide that from the pastoral industry, then we've also got people that also have a vested interest representing, you know, the, so the pastoral industry is the production side, I suppose, and then we've got the environment and conservation side. There's a representative yeah. there. And then the the independent role is for somebody that's not really tied to either of those but just has a, a good skill set that can be of use but isn't really uh, aligned with either of those aspects of the pastoral estate. At the moment, that's right. Previously, there's been chairs of the Pastoral Lands Board that have been active pastoralists themselves. That isn't the case at the moment, and it may well be. In ca- it may well return to that in the future. But for the moment, um, it seems to be working pretty well. I should say too that the conservation member is not appointed by the Minister for Lands, but is in fact appointed or recommended um, by the Minister for Environment to the Minister for Lands, and, and then the appointment follows from there. How long does a term last on the board and what is involved with being a board member? Uh, the, the board terms are three years. Uh, there isn't a strict limit on the number of years that can be served, but generally boards that are related, you know, government boards in Western Australia, the general rule is that you know by about 10 years you've probably fired your best shot and that it's time to move aside and, and let other interests you know, fill that position. But reappointed on three-year cycles is the way it goes. Um, as far as being a member goes, it's no walk in the park. We meet every two months, generally for a whole day, and there's often, you know, meetings in between the face-to-face meetings or now video conference meetings because of COVID. There is always a range of issues to deal with from the very strategic issues uh, all the way down to the more administrative-type issues such as uh, considering um, rangeland conditions assessments on specific leases and any action required there, um, considering applications for permits, uh, discussing matters related to the general viability of pastoralism, uh, you know, most importantly, you know, animal welfare issues are always on the agenda. Uh, also, we, we take a scan of the state at every meeting and try and see what's going on in the industry from the top to the bottom, um, recognising that, you know, the northern rangelands are sort of some somewhat different, very different, in fact, to the conditions being experienced in the south. So a whole range of stuff we cover. The agendas are generally broken up into two halves. One is strategic issues and then the second half is compliance and regulatory issues. So it's in that second half of the day that we get to look at you know, the more sort of nuts and bolts of administering the Land Administration Act. So it sounds like it's not like being on a committee where you can just kind of turn up, share your opinion, have a vote on something. You There is a lot of uh, work to be done in between meetings, a lot of reading uh, yeah. and knowledge to be developed and maintained. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it is, as you're aware, it's a complex industry and there are many moving parts from Aboriginal interests to conservation interests to animal welfare issues to uh, land administration issues to lease, uh, issues related to rent, to permits, to um, most importantly preserving the ecological estate, the condition of the land, fire, rain, uh, a whole, whole range of issues. So it's a really complex industry. So my requirements of the PLB members are, are pretty straight and that is uh, and I say this to all members, uh, you read the papers and if you're unsure, pick up the phone and we'll talk through an issue 
um, but make sure you come prepared because we need all hands on deck to make balanced and reasonable decisions for pastoralists that don't don't hamper them and don't stop them running viable businesses, but at the same time, you know, do uh, preserve the the condition of and improve indeed the condition of the land. That's the balance we're always facing. It's a huge responsibility that the group is tasked with, that being to preserve the pastoral estate but also put in place practices and policies and decisions that are, allow it to grow and prosper. What is the scope that is covered under the PLB? Like what are some things that fall in your realm and what are some things that people may think you guys would look after but it's actually not in your ballpark at all? Yeah, well, there's plenty of that. Um, there's plenty of times we get asked to look at issues or blamed for for um, not addressing issues that are outside of our scope. So, you know, big big part of my role is clarifying for industry what we're actually entitled to do and what we're empowered to do under legislation. So it's probably a bit narrower than most people think. We, we have two broad roles. The first role is to advise government on strategies which strengthen the industry and strategies which would threaten the industry as well. And so that's what we call the strategic advice role. Then the other role is the nuts and bolts administration of the 440-odd leases that we have, that we oversee. We try and balance those roles by taking a particular view. We've adopted, if you like, a lens through which we look at the pastoral estate. And that lens starts off with a belief, firm belief, that viable pastoral businesses and good ecological management can coexist. In fact, need to coexist. They cannot not coexist. Uh, without good pastoral management, then there won't be viable businesses. So we have an attitude that we bring to the table at every meeting, which is rather than control and be punitive, dial back and limit the activities of pastoralists, what we should be trying to do is to, within reasonable bounds, encourage and empower pastoralists to do what they need to do on the land to create a viable business and what they need to do in partnership with that goal, and that is to achieve you know good, good land conditions and good conditions of vegetation. So we look upon it, in a sense, as a sort of a cycle. We think that, you know, if you have good ecological management, you'll have viable business. If you have viable business, you have more people on the pastoral estate. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And if you have more people on the pastoral estate, you have good economic opportunities and so, and so it goes around. That's the lens we bring to the table. I know it seems to some pastoralists that we are pedantic and and punitive and overly sort of fascinated with regulations. We don't like to be. Unfortunately, we do have to be sometimes. You know, it's really, really, really bloody important for this country that 
the land is protected and that means that there are occasions where we have to step in and bring the hammer down on on, on a situation, not not a person, but a situation where the land is is degrading and there is there is no sort of attempt to to bring it back. Notwithstanding that, we are very cognizant of the impact of things like climate change and you know a hundred years or hundred and forty years of of running stock on country that perhaps was not is you know in some cases is well suited to it. We're cognizant of the impact of wild dogs, of low rainfall, of fire, of all the things that are outside the pastoralist control. We are cognizant of that, but we also believe that with being a pastoral lessee, you come that comes with some responsibility, and we want you to live up to that. And that is, we'll look after the land. If you look after the land, we'll leave you alone. We'll let you get on with your business, and we'll um, do what we can through things like the amendments to the Land Administration Act, we'll do what we can to create opportunities for you to do better. But first and foremost, that land has to be protected. Well, I suppose it is a privilege, not a right, to hold a pastoral lease and Mm. operate it as a business. And as you just said, yeah, there is a huge role the PLB can play in ensuring there's a contemporary environment for people to operate those businesses. Coming back to this idea of what is and is not within your realm of influence and, and power, what is in the scope of PLB, like what do you actually have the power to achieve? Not as much as we'd like, I should say, and we're hopeful that the amendments to the Land Administration Act, which are being discussed and considered now, will give us more opportunity to you know, really make make meaningful change and improve the way the pastoral estate is managed. So what is within our power? It is within our power to require pastoralists to undertake specific actions where the health of the the land, the vegetation and animals is at risk. So we can require through requesting, um, you know, management plans and development plans and so on, people to do things like um, create additional waters, reduce stock numbers to fence off specific areas that are degraded. Um, Most of that we'll do in conjunction with the Soil and Land Commissioner uh, and with the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development, but we do have powers to require pastoralists to, to, to undertake certain actions. What we don't have the power to do is to remove a pastoralist lease, and we don't have the power to approve or not approve a sale of a pastoral lease. Those decisions and others are in the remit of the Minister, and what we try and do is position ourselves as a credible source of advice to the Minister in relation to those types of issues. And when you say the Minister, is that the Minister for Lands? Sorry, that is the Minister for Lands, yeah. Okay, so if somebody is found to be perhaps in breach of their lease, the role of the board is to make an assessment and I guess are you the only entity to decide if that if a, if a lease is found in breach, is it found by the PLB or are there other entities that are also making that same assessment? Usually there'll be other entities and they'll be Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development and or the Soil and Land Commissioner and or Department of Planning and Lands and Heritage. So we'll, we'll take advice from a whole range of sources and we do. That's part of the complexity because the advice doesn't always gel but often often it does and so we'll, we'll have a clear direction from putting those different pieces of advice together and 
and we'll make a decision based on that. And then so essentially it's a recommendation that's given to the minister and while you may make a recommendation, really it is at the ultimate discretion of the minister for what decision they end up making. Yeah, look, it is ultimately. We we have had very, in my time on the board some years now, we have had very few occasions to recommend, I can't even recall one, perhaps one where we've had to recommend forfeiture of a lease. And that that will never be done by the board unless we have uh, come to a view that there is no other option. So we'll generally try and work with, and I know the two departments do a fantastic job working with pastoral lessees who are in a bit of trouble, aren't doing what they need to do to have, be either a viable business or preserve the ecology of their lease or both. And so we'll work closely with those departments who are working closely with the lessee and try over time shift them to a more sustainable footing. If for whatever reason they're not able to do that, as a last resort, we may recommend forfeiture of the lease. But as I said, you know, we've looked at in my time hundreds, hundreds of issues on pastoral leases and I can't recall maybe maybe one time we've recommended forfeiture. But it, look, at it, it is an option. You know, you've said it yourself, the Having a pastoral lease is a privilege and it, it, it sort of affords, you know, a good operator with an opportunity to create a good living, uh, and to create a legacy f- and, and something for their families. And, and these are their businesses. We don't want to interfere with them necessarily. We'll only do that in extreme situations. And that's, that's the sort of attitude we come, come to the table with. We prefer to work with people, not against them. So I suppose a focus on uh, preventative measures rather than wait, you know, until something gets to the point where your only option really is to recommend that the lease is withdrawn. Are pastoralists or other industry members able to talk to the PLB? Like are you able to, you know, submit a contact form on the website or send an email or do you have to go through other channels and the PLB isn't really a body that you're able to engage with? bit of both. Um, we prefer if a pastoralist has an issue related to management of their pastoral lease that they talk to Department of Planning, Lands and Heritage uh, because that's where, uh, you know, the advice and the partnership will be formed, will be given and the partnership formed. As far as speaking directly to the PLB, we are very, very careful to make sure that members are not subject to any form of lobbying's the wrong word. I don't know what the right word is, but we... We, we're really very careful to make sure that pastoral lands board members come to the table with a clear mind and an ability to be, to exercise objective judgment, uh, and to, uh, not be swayed by any, any personal pressure or personal interest. So we generally resist speaking directly with pastoralists, but we'll certainly ask the Department of Planning and Lands and Heritage to do that on our behalf when we require more information. They were very, very, very careful about conflicts of interest and are full members and very strict on that. And so, if I mean, if we're to be a credible and even-handed board and in our administration of the pastoral estate, we there can be no other way. To finish up, I'd like to ask, what does the PLB see as the future for the WA pastoral estate? Well, we feel really optimistic about it overall. We know there are some parts that are doing particularly well at the moment and parts that are not doing so well. And we're also aware that that situation can change very quickly. It really depends 
so much on how much rain falls out of the sky as to how well the industry does. That's the primary factor. So, um, you know, overall we're really optimistic. What, what we're seeing is in the southern rangelands where there has been drier conditions for longer periods of time, there has been a lot of innovation and starting to appear to be a lot of innovation around different ways of doing things. Uh, we've talked, I'm sure you've talked about carbon, um, uh, and there, you know, there are tourism opportunities and Aboriginal heritage opportunities, uh, and, you know, a whole range of things that have been looked at by, you know, the more innovative of the pastoralists out there. And we were greatly encouraged by that. So we want to create a system that allows that to continue. And in the north, of course, predominantly it's growing cattle is, is the main, main source. And they're able, able to do that, of course, because rainfall's higher and the vegetation and load is heavier and, and so on, but that that area is not without its challenges too. So, so we so we feel optimistic, although we know there are challenges across the across the landscape from top to bottom and out east. What we need, which we don't quite have at the moment, and we're hopeful that the amendments to the LAA will bring a, a bit closer to it. Is we need a pastoral lands administration system that is fit for purpose. At the moment, it's not well matched. You know, the powers of the PLB, the regulations how it all works, is, is not a really good fit for what's needed. You know, the world's changing. The world has changed just in my time in terms of pastoralism. Diversification, a whole range of things that, is, that have happened that mean that our current system, our Act, which was last reviewed perhaps I think 1997 and then some years before that, needs to be upgraded and made fit for purpose and in that way we can be more effective in the way that we we support and encourage viable pastoral industry with good ecological management. At the moment, we get by, but there's a lot of improvements to the system and the rules and the tools we have available to us that, um, that we really need. And that's it for today's lesson. To learn more about this topic or to get in touch with our guest, visit www dplh.wa.gov.au. See you next time.